So here's what I try and tell people. Like, really, it's pretty simple. It's consistency and patience, right? If you play in the game every day, you get better. If you're patient and you set the right expectations, then you can continue to be consistent. I think that encapsulates building an audience on probably any social media channel in general. Welcome to Rep Your Brand, a podcast for B2B marketers who are looking to build their career through a strong personal brand. Rep Your Brand is hosted by Nick Bennett, one of LinkedIn's top voices on field marketing and personal branding. In each episode, Nick captures stories on how to overcome the challenges marketers face with growing their brand. So if you're a marketer looking to open doors and create opportunities that you never thought were possible, then listen in to get tangible tips and strategies to build your very own personal brand. Hello and welcome to another episode of Rep Your Brand, a podcast for B2B marketers who are looking to build their careers through a strong personal brand. I'm Nick Bennett. This podcast is brought to you by my friends at Motion. They're a done-for-you podcasting service for scrappy marketing teams in B2B tech. They're two of the nicest guys around and the work that they do is truly world-class. You can find them at motionagency.io. And today, I'm super pumped because our guest is Justin Welsh, founder of JW Strategic Advisory and someone that I personally have learned a ton from since following on LinkedIn and now Twitter. Justin, thank you for joining us. Nick, it's awesome to be here. Thanks so much for having me, man. Cool. So everyone definitely knows who you are. So I'm going to jump into it. And I wanted to kind of start off with a question around if one wants to be a creator and build online, do you build your personal brand first or build a product? Yeah. You know, I don't know that there's necessarily a right answer for everyone. I'll tell you what worked for me. What worked for me was building a brand. I guess you use the word brand. I just kind of consider it building an audience, building who you are online, taking who you are offline and bringing it online. I think today that everybody has a brand online, regardless of whether they want to or not. If I asked you about someone and they weren't online very often, you'd still tell me everything you knew about them. So everyone's got a brand. And so I think it's about building a controlled and intentional brand based on a particular topic or subject that you're relatively knowledgeable in. And once you do that and you gain trust and you show your expertise, I think it's really much easier to turn it into a product than the other way around. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And so piggybacking off that, you, you've generated over 33 million impressions on LinkedIn in over two years. Can you describe the platform's potential if someone was to start today? Yeah, totally. So to me, LinkedIn is a platform full of people who are really thirsty for knowledge. There's very few creators and a lot of consumers right now because LinkedIn is generally considered professional. So most people think of it as business that scares a lot of folks. It's a lot less social than other social media channels, but really it is a social media channel and people are figuring out that by creating content on LinkedIn, they can stand out pretty easily. And so what I consider it is just open field right now. It's still in its infancy. And even though folks like you and I who are creating regularly on different platforms are inside of a bubble, so we think everyone is creating, the truth is probably 1% are. So for me, it's a place where you can go and generate 100,000 impressions a day, millions of impressions every year. And you can do one of you know many different things. You can land a better job. You can become a thought leader. You can end up on podcasts like this. You can sell a product. There are so many different ways that you can take advantage of LinkedIn. It's probably the best thing I've done for my life is build my audience there. And as you see me now on Twitter, you know, uh, doing the same thing there. Awesome. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. And so 
I'm curious how, I know we talked about personal brand and audience, but like, I'm curious how your audience has helped you when you were at Patient Pop, for example. So it's obviously helped you since, but I was in a similar situation. I was at this company called Logs.io. My personal brand was more for me to drive revenue to my company. And so what would you say to someone who's in an industry that's not revenue, sales, or marketing when they're thinking about whether they should or shouldn't care about building a community? Yeah. So I'll give you an example of Patient Pop, right? If you think about LA tech, and I was in Los Angeles building Patient Pop down in Santa Monica, there's like Patient Pop, there was Service Titan, there were, I can't think of all the other ones now that I've left, but I can't remember even the names, but there was maybe five or six different really big SaaS companies down there at the time. And so you were always pulling from a small pool of applicants. This was pre-COVID. This was everyone was in the office. And so it was myself and Kevin Dorsey who was my VP of inside sales. He also has a really big brand on social media. And so part of our brand building was just recruiting. Like we got a tremendous amount of inbound candidates and influx of resumes that came with statements like, I want to work for KD. I would love to work with Justin. I want to work with Derek, Max Kim Brown, Jesse Gitler. All my managers and directors were all online. And so we were able to beat out the Snack Nations and the Service Titans and other companies for what we consider top talent in LA. And so that was a huge way to boost our recruiting engine because we didn't have a huge recruiting team. So that was the real benefit for us there. That's awesome. And you've been doing social for a bit. And so do you remember the first time that you ever hit post on LinkedIn? Like, what was it about? What were you feeling at the time? Yeah, I think the very first time I ever posted was probably, it could have been maybe three years ago. I'm sure I did it before then and just don't remember. But I remember I was buying a new piece of software because I was tinkering with digital marketing and courses and I think I asked a question about Kajabi, which was the marketing software I was looking at at the time. And like, I think I used like eight hashtags and probably put a link inside and all the stuff I know not to do today. And it was just like crickets. I also like created my own logo back in the day and like a, a crappy website. And I shared a, maybe a blog article or two of mine and my wife. And I had literally no idea what I was doing. I had no traction for a very, very long time. It was a very different story than the traction that you see today. But I remember being nervous. Putting yourself out there for the first time, regardless of what social platform you choose is is challenging. You know? Yeah, absolutely. No, I agree. I mean, because for me, so I kind of went down the road of talking about field marketing. No one really talks about field marketing on LinkedIn. I realized it was a very easy path to just give tangible takeaways and it helped me grow that community of, of similar kind of like-minded people. So people... And I'm interested in your thoughts on this. People always think there's some hack to growing your audience overnight. And like when I think of people like yourself or DG or Chris Walker, like you guys just didn't do this overnight. So like what would you like tell someone that thinks they can do this overnight? Yeah, I mean, it's really hard. I, I would say that's probably not the best strategy, nor is it the right expectations for yourself. So here's what I try and tell people. Like, really, it's pretty simple. It's consistency and patience. Right. If you play in the game every day, you get better. If you're patient and you set the right expectations, then you can continue to be consistent. I think that encapsulates building an audience on probably any social media channel in general. Now, are there things that you can do to make it faster, better, more efficient? Can you learn how to write better content? Are there times of the day when posting is generally more well-received? Are there tricks and tips that will accelerate it slightly? Sure, but there are no 
hacks or tricks or tips that are going to make it go 10 times faster. So what I try and do is tell people, listen, it takes time and consistency. And here are five to 10 other things that I would focus on that will help you accelerate it slightly so that you're in a better position to benefit from building an audience. Yeah, absolutely. And I kind of wanted to go back to the patient pop piece of it. So since leaving, you've obviously have had a ton of success behind your brand. You had your first course, you do consulting. How has your brand and the audience that you built helped you since leaving patient pop? I mean, it, it powers my whole business, right? So I use my brand in several different areas online to power different parts of my business. So my main business, the way that I make my living is I advise early stage SaaS companies. That's what I've been doing for the last 11 years is building SMB SaaS businesses. So that's who I advise. And I do that through different channels than LinkedIn. I do that through creating SEO optimized blog posts. I do that through partnerships. And then on LinkedIn, the where my audience has been really helpful is I've created two courses. I've created a course that helps you accelerate your growth on LinkedIn. Again, no overnight hack or tricks or tips, just how to do it better, faster, and more efficiently. So that generates, it's a six-figure course, which has been really awesome in its first year. And then I built a second course, which was essentially everything that I learned building the first course and making some income with it and packaging that into a course that people could use. So if they had any interest in building digital products, they could do so themselves as well. So that powers my second course. And then I think some other interesting ways that I use LinkedIn is I do some one-on-one coaching. I end up on shows like this and other popular podcasts where I can promote my coaching, my advising business, my products. So right now I've got, you know, I think four different revenue streams that contributes to mostly an automated way of making money with a 20-hour a work week or 20-hour a week work schedule for advising. Wow, that's definitely awesome. I mean, if you think about it, you're basically self-sufficient now as a solopreneur. Like what led you to going out on your own? And then the second piece of that was how has your brand impacted your success while being out on your own? Yeah. So I'm what you might describe as like someone who is traditionally a workaholic. I have a lot of perfectionistic tendencies. That is by no means to say that I do things perfectly. I certainly do not, but I try my hardest to do things as best as possible. And when you combine those two things, what often happens is you work yourself into the ground. And a couple of years ago, when I was at Patient Pop, you know, it grew from 1 million to 10 million to 20 million to 50 million. And pretty soon, like I was pretty stressed out. And a key turning point for me was I had what you might consider like a massive panic attack, which caused EMS had to come to our place and we called 911, they showed up. It was just like, it was scary. I I literally thought I was dying that day. And so when that was all over and it settled down, I thought that I needed to make a change, right? That was a pretty good indicator of needing to make a change. And I knew that part of what I wanted to do was take some time off and work for myself. So that drove that decision. It didn't happen right away. I think it might've happened, I don't know, eight, eight or 12 months later. And so I knew I just needed to calm down a little bit. And so I lost 40 pounds. I went out on my own. I started taking care of my mental and physical health. I was sleeping more. I was eating healthier. I was drinking less. All those things were really important to me to do back in you know late 2018. And as I embarked on that journey, I started to realize that it was just a healthier journey in general. And so now the way that my audience supports me is they allow me to continue to do this. And I'm so thankful for the folks that follow me, engage with me, buy my products, 
come to my coaching sessions. It's what allows me to live the life that I'm hopefully can continue living. Yeah, that's awesome. Honestly, you're, you're a true inspiration to, to, you know, what I have been trying to push towards too. And it's the, the content that you put out there has really helped me as well. And I'm, I'm just in kind of within my circle, it's always the same people that kind of get mentioned. And it's just, it's really, it's interesting that like, you've been able to help that many people. So thank you to that piece of it too. Thanks, man. It's it's really cool. Like I would be lying if I said that when I got great compliments that that wasn't the best part of it. Like, listen, I like making money. Don't get me wrong. You know, I'm not one of those guys who won't admit that. I like to make money. I like to make a good living. I like all those things. But I get so many compliments that people are like, hey, you pushed me to post on LinkedIn for the first time, or I never felt comfortable posting on Twitter, and now I do, or I, I put out my first digital product that I made, my first 50, I just got a note from a guy the other day, made my first 50 bucks selling a product that I pushed him on, and he was like, that was amazing, and I was like, cool, like, go sell 50 more, if you can sell one, you can sell 10, you can sell 10, you can sell 100, so like, it's cool when people take your advice, and you can give them a little push, and it works, I love that, it's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And so, I mean, you've definitely monetized your brand. And so you're definitely, you know, a complete success story. When did you know that this was even an option for you? Yeah, that's a great question. I didn't. I assumed it was, right? I had grown my LinkedIn following from, I think, 2,500 to 20,000. And I was having lunch one day with Kevin Dorsey and at my house in LA. I was telling him, I said, I think I'm going to build some sales courses. And he's like, man, everyone's built, like everyone is building sales courses. There's a million courses on the market. And he's like, why don't you just teach people how to do what you just got done doing on LinkedIn? Like, why don't you just show people what you do each morning and afternoon? And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I never really thought about that. Like, I didn't want to be like a LinkedIn guy, right? That wasn't like my, my plan. And so when I went out, I just thought if I get enough DMs and messages from people that want to know how to do this. And it's very easy for me to share the things that I've learned over the last year of doing it. Why not combine those things? I think there's some income in here, but I didn't pre-sell a course. I didn't talk to my audience. I didn't do anything that you would normally do. No best practices. I just had a hunch and I went with the hunch and it worked. And I've kind of operated that way ever since. And it's not the right way to operate, but I just have gotten lucky on a few hunches. But it was an interesting experience when I first put it out there. It's so interesting that you, you know, you kind of mentioned that. It's mind-blowing to me because I feel like a lot of people want to do that. And I, I want to kind of talk on something else that you mentioned a decent amount, or at least when, when I think of people mentioning it, I think of you. And it's about being polarizing. So like, what does that mean to you? Yeah, interesting. It gets twisted sometimes. I think people think of polarizing as divisive, and I don't mean that at all. Like, I never go out onto LinkedIn and try and be like, oh, this is going to be so divisive or putting people in two camps. I just, I guess I can't think of a better word than polarizing. But what I mean is we all have strong opinions. I have strong opinions about how sales teams should be built. I have strong opinions about how content should be created on LinkedIn. I have strong opinions about standing up digital products. And if you share vanilla, middle of the road, not interesting stuff every day, you will likely grow very slowly. If you share the things that you truly believe, then a few things happen. You naturally push some folks out of your camp. Not everyone's going to agree with your opinions. That's okay. You actually stay more focused on the people that are going to follow you for the long term. Number two, you generally say things that are a little bit more interesting. And when you say more interesting things, 
People have arguments in the comments, lots of comments, means lots of engagement. It's not intentional. It's just like, I'm going to be myself versus just being super, super boring in middle of the road. Like it's the internet. You have to be interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I know. I I completely agree with you. It's so weird to me because I feel like 99% of what you see on LinkedIn, mostly Twitter is kind of a different story, but 99% of what you see on LinkedIn is people just agreeing with each other. And like I'm of a similar mindset where I want someone to respectfully disagree with me or at least show me that there's other options out there because I feel like the comment section is the best section of any, you know, of, of LinkedIn in general. And like you can learn so much and get so many additional content ideas out of it. It's just like people just don't like to to argue or disagree or come at it from a different angle, at least not a ton. Yeah. Like, for example, and by the way, I'm not shaming this particular piece of content, but like people write content and they're like, we should treat our SDRs better. It's like, does anyone think that we should treat them worse? So when you share things that are that common sense, then who are you? Like, you're not someone with an interesting opinion. You're someone who has the same opinion as everyone else, that we should treat people who are in entry-level roles kindly, which I agree with. But like, there's more interesting things inside of your head and your experience than that. And it's hard to stand out when your opinions are all very fluffy. Just like, don't be afraid to share how you feel about things if you have a strong opinion, as long as you're not mean, divisive, nasty, treating people poorly. None of that stuff flies either but have a strong opinion. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And so some people say a personal brand is about adding value. Some say it's about being yourself, but it doesn't really offer anyone tactical advice. What does adding value mean if you're a marketer that's looking to get started? Yeah, I think what's really cool is like marketing. By the way, I'm not a marketer, right? I never consider myself a marketer. I, I guess maybe from a branding perspective, I figured out how to do a little bit of that. But to me, I think it's a combination of things. I think that you can add observational outlooks like, hey, I've observed this; these three things work really well. I like to get instructional and tactical every once in a while. So for example, I'm writing a blog post, which I'll send to my audience on Wednesday, which is going to literally break down one piece of LinkedIn that I think is broken and how to actually fix it if you want to get around this particular broken part of it. It's very tactical. It's like step one through five, how to actually do this thing so you can do it every day. I share those at least once a week where I'm like, You want to write an interesting piece of content? Here is a huge breakdown of a piece of content that I wrote that got a million impressions, and I'll break it down line for line for line. I think sharing some of those tactical things are really, really helpful. And I think in combination with observation, contrarian viewpoints, the future, how you think about things as they're changing, I think you can kind of create a holistic package of good content. But I do think that you need to dive deep and actually share some of that expertise or knowledge on a tactical level. Yeah, definitely agree with you there. And so like, what is the inspiration for your LinkedIn content? Because I remember reading something about, I believe you said that you pre-write a lot of your stuff and schedule. So like, where are your ideas stored? Do you keep notes? Like, what's your workflow look like? Yeah. So I'll give you like a tactical workflow, right? Which is I have something that I put together for myself called the content matrix. And then I just included it in my course. Anything that I put together for me, I put it in my courses. I give it to my audience for free, whatever. And so I put together this matrix and essentially it's pretty simple. On the left-hand side are like words that are generally drive some sort of thought for me, you know, productization, leverage, momentum, time, just things that are common topics that I have strong opinions on. And then across the top are structures that I think work really well. It might be an observation, 
instructional, step-by-step, teardown, an observation, if I might have said that already, X versus Y, today in the future, like all these different ways that I might think about things. And then I just look at that matrix and I'm kind of like, okay, I've been thinking a lot about this subject. What in my mind, like, and I'll just match them up. Okay, cool. I have a really strong opinion about that subject. What type of opinion is it? Oh, it's more contrarian or it's, oh, it's an observation that I've seen or it's a step-by-step instructional manual that I want to put together for that particular topic. And so I'll just kind of match those up as I'm thinking through them. That's one way. Another way is I'll scroll Twitter and I'll see things that are interesting to me, things I might have a similar take on, a different take on. I might want to add my commentary to those things. I use things like Feedly, which are like an RSS reader, which stores really interesting blog content. I'll look through that stuff for um, inspiration. I go on a six-mile walk each morning with my wife, and a lot of ideas come to me. We have a voice recorder. I'll take notes. Like, There's a million places that, that have inspiration. And then every Saturday, usually, I'll sit down at seven, eight o'clock in the morning over a cup of coffee or two or three, and I'll just write. And I've gotten to the point now where I've been writing every day for almost three years. And so I can generally write three or five pieces of content in an hour. And then I'll schedule those. And then it's on to my Wednesday long form content. That's sort of my workflow. And I share that with my audience openly and freely so that they don't think I just come up with some good idea each morning. It's just not true. (laughs) That's literally fantastic advice. And I've personally like... I'm on the other side. It's probably not a great way to go about doing it, but I try to come up with, I post every single day and like I try to write that post in the morning, but I don't spend more than five minutes on it. That's kind of been my whole mindset is like, if I can't put my thoughts down to something that I think is adding value within five minutes, then I try not to post it. But it's where I've been doing it for a year. It's, It's worked out well, but I really need to come with the other mindset because there's so many ideas that like if I'm on a walk with like my daughter or something and like I just think of something, I don't write it down and then I can't remember it when I get back to my house. So I'm definitely going to be stealing that from you. So thank you. Yeah, it happens to me all the time. I feel you. And, and just so you know, there are Saturdays where I sit down and I can't write anything. I have no creativity. And there are other Saturdays where I'll sit down or Sundays if I'm feeling it and write a whole month's content. If I'm going to be creative, if I'm in the zone, I might as well write as much as I can because I know the next day I'm going to wake up and just I'll I'll have nothing. And so I might as well capture that spark while you have it. And I think anyone who writes a lot probably feels pretty similarly. So Yeah, absolutely. And so what do you read on LinkedIn? Like, How does someone get your attention? Is there anything that kind of jumps out to you on the feed, whether it be LinkedIn or Twitter? Yeah, it's interesting. So I don't read as much on LinkedIn simply because I spend a lot of time interacting with my audience. So I'll post every morning, 7.15 a.m. Central Time, and I carve out one hour from 7.15 to 8.15, and I interact with every person who writes a comment. And that has been a theme for me for you know almost three years. And so I don't scroll a lot. I just kind of interact with my ecosystem. Outside of that, there's Kevin Dorsey, whose stuff I like. I like Scott Lisa's stuff. I comment a lot on Austin Belsack's stuff. He's a guy who I've become friends with just through LinkedIn. So those are three folks. Sarah Brazier's stuff is really interesting, I think, and has a good voice from an SDR perspective. Twitter is where I'm starting to spend a lot of time, namely because I feel like folks there do a really great job of utilizing the thread component of Twitter. And so Twitter to me is my new blog. 
I can scroll through and I can learn from people who are very far in their journey, the best way to grow their audience on Twitter, the best way to create a community, the best way to generate income on a SaaS product. There are so many interesting learnings in long form content there that I spend way more time consuming information on Twitter and creating information on LinkedIn. Love that. Yeah, it's tough too, because I remember seeing a post of yours that you kind of, I don't know if you still do this, but you bookmarked people that you wanted to interact with so that you knew exactly when they posted and you could just basically click them and take directly to their LinkedIn profile. Do you still do that? Yeah, it's interesting. That's actually the Wednesday post that's coming out. I just got done writing my whole like sort of tactical breakdown on how I do that. That's what I do. Like, I'll give you an example. Austin Belsack, has 700,000 followers on LinkedIn. And he and I have formed a real good friendship over the last two years of just trading craft beer with one another. He's a cool dude and I like his stuff. And I happen to know, I just asked him, I'm like, hey, what time do you post every morning? He's like, 8, 10, your time. And I'm like, cool. So I just went, copied the URL for his recent activity because you know they don't have notifications like Twitter does, which is the part of LinkedIn that's broken in my opinion. And, and I just put it in my bookmarks bar. And then every morning at 8, 10 a.m., I go to his profile. I'm the first guy there. And I just leave a comment, a very thoughtful one. And I will essentially do audience siphoning where I am not stealing his audience, his audience, but like they're seeing me every morning as the first guy and they're looking at my stuff. And since they're young, motivated tech professionals, hopefully someday down the road, they'll be interested in how to grow on LinkedIn, how to build a side hustle, all the stuff that I talk about. So yeah, that's a huge part of building my audience is playing with other creators really well on the platform. Nice. I love that. That's a great idea. I've tried to do something similar with like, there's probably about like 10 to 20 people that I try to do something similar where I'm trying to always be one of the first people there within the comments. And it's just to, like you said, I'm not trying to steal their audience. I'm just trying to drive additional people to see me drive people, additional people to listen to this podcast, for example. Sure. It definitely helps. And so we're coming up on time. I want to be cognizant of your time. I just have a few final questions for you. Sure. For the marketer or or I guess anyone in general who's never posted a single thing on LinkedIn, what would you suggest they post about for that first time? Well, it's a great question. I think that I would say to start pick a niche and then niche down further. And I know that's like very cliche um, advice. It's just like pick a niche. But for example, everyone's talking about sales in, in my world, right? Because I come from sales. So I think Sarah Brazier does a great job, for for example, when she started posting, because she didn't just talk about sales. She didn't just talk about becoming an AE. She talked about how hard it was to transition from an SDR to an AE at Gong in sales. And it was like very, very specific. And so it resonates with a lot of people who are in a pretty similar situation. So I would say create for this small circle, like who are 20 to 50 people that you could influence in a micro niche that you could share your journey with that you think it would be helpful. Share that journey for six months, 12 months. Once you have done that, then expand your niche ring out slowly but surely. It's much easier to expand out than it is to to go down. And so I would say just pick something that you can speak for 15 or 30 minutes completely unprepared and talk about that every day. Nice. That's, that's fantastic advice. So, you know, what's, what's your favorite resource could be online, could be offline that you rely on to kind of, you know, keep up to speed and keep your brand fresh. Yeah. I really like marketingexamples.com by Harry Dry. It's probably my favorite 
place to go to read really well done marketing analysis. Harry's a, a really sharp dude. I like him a lot. I really like Jack Butcher's stuff on Twitter. I think it always gives me sort of an, a unique futuristic viewpoint into how to think about content creation. I like Derek Sivers a lot. I wouldn't consider him a modern creator. Like he doesn't spend a lot of time creating daily, but he writes blog posts every once in a while and he turns them into books. And I think the way that he thinks is really unique. And so I think it's S-I-V-E dot R-S is his website. I like him a lot. And I like Daniel Vasallo a lot. I, I follow a lot of what he creates because he, the, someone who, as I was going through my panic attack, was talking about creating and designing a different type of lifestyle. And so I kind of hooked onto that and was like, oh, this is someone that I want to emulate in terms of creating that life. And so those are four places that I spend a, a lot of time when I'm just trying to soak in some knowledge, but I'm trying to create more than I am consume. And But those are four places I love. Awesome. Yeah, I'll definitely make sure to add those in the show notes for everyone listening, just so you can all kind of go take advantage of that as well. And lastly, Justin, you know, where should people go to learn more about you? Feel free to plug anything you want to plug here. We're here to show you some love. Cool. They can go to my personal website where I write, which is just justinwelsh.me. And Welsh is W-E-L-S-H. So justinwelsh.me. I've got couple interesting things there. I actually have a whole free advice section. So if you want to learn how to grow on LinkedIn or build a side hustle, I give tons of free advice. Click on the section, go through as much of it as you want. If you want to go a little bit more in depth, you can go into my digital products, which are right there as well. And if you want to read some tactical advice on how to do some stuff, you can go into the blog section and check out my articles. And that's probably the three best places to start. Awesome. Well, Justin, thank you again. I appreciate you spending some time with us today. It was literally a blast. Thank you. Nick, thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Rep Your Brand. Make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And if you learned something new today, it'd be great if you left us a review. We'll catch you next time.